Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Gregory Pine, joined here by Father Jacob Bertrand and Father Joseph Anthony. Father Jacob uh, Bertrand, how are things in uh, vocation land? Things are, things are, I guess, starting to take off again, maybe. I don't know. Uh, COVID is COVID's everybody's friend when we're trying to plan things. So that makes, that makes life a bit interesting. But um, this time of year, beginning of what would be an academic year, we kind of kick off the, the program again. So we have a couple um, vocation weekends at the House of Studies in the fall, uh, September and November. We're hoping to be able to make accommodations for those to have, uh, to have, uh, men come for that, keeping safe, keeping healthy, all that. Um, but yeah, things are going well otherwise. So, Dig. And Father Joseph Anthony, you guys are on the uh, the threshold of a new semester at the Ooh. University of Virginia, Mr. Jefferson's University. How are things How are things going? Uh, chaotic. I think that's the best way to say it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a whole new world down here. Um, it's just the beginning of the semester got delayed by two weeks uh and then the end of the semester got pushed up by like two and a half three weeks to right around thanksgiving time so uh things are changing substantially like on a weekly basis so we're just kind of trying to roll with punches and um be as flexible as we can do as much as we can uh in a a digital landscape uh because that's going to give us kind of the most stability uh for whether students are here on grounds or whether they're back at their parents house or whatever it may be so it's uh it's it's crazy i mean it's a way to do ministry i don't think that i ever expected or signed up for but here we are and uh we're doing good we're doing the best we can with it and then how is your uh, beautiful church doing uh, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's nice to be able to have a, have a new church and it's a really big, um, it's a big asset for us right now because we're at a place where we can't really utilize, uh, some of the facilities within the university. So the university's own chapel and stuff like that, we're not able to use. And so now we have this beautiful church that can actually hold the same number of people that we would have held at the university's chapel. So it allows us to continue our ministry without too many, uh, hiccups or complications. And it's, uh, beautiful. And so that never hurts. It's, mm. it's great to have uh, some of the students coming back now and like walking in the church for the first time, just see their eyes light up and they're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. So yeah, big fan. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that was a long building process. So I'm sure the exhalation will endure for many months hence. Um, Father Jacob Bertrand, the two of us did something that was sweet with focus over the course of like the past. I don't even know. I've lost track. Where, where are we? When were we? Um, how was like two uh, years ago? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like an eternity. It seems uh, Dude, it so was we, like three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're reminiscing right now. If you would kindly not interrupt. Thank you. Okay. Um, focus summer projects. How was that? Yeah. Uh, that was great. So yeah, Father Father Gregory and I, last year we, we um, were chaplains for Focus at their summer projects, which is a program over the summer and summer projects um, for undergraduates. So basically, uh, they the undergraduates are work for um, the YMCA of the Rockies and then Snow Mountain Ranch, which is another YMCA facility um, out a little bit away from the other one. Um, the facility that, or the, I guess, resort, whatever you want to call it, where Father Gregory and I have spent uh, some time the last two summers is in um, Estes Park, Colorado, just outside of the National, 
right? Rocky Mountain National Park. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, the students work for the Y, um, are employees of the Y. Uh, they work full-time jobs for the summer, but then have an opportunity to live with other Catholics, um, mass, spiritual direction, other kind of adventures, Catholic and Rocky Mountain alike. So mm. um, yeah, last year, Father Gregory and I were there at different times, but this year we were there together. We made an, I don't know, I was going to say an epic road trip. It wasn't really that epic. We drove out from DC out to Colorado over a few days and then spent a few weeks there um, with Focus, uh, got to hike some pretty awesome some pretty awesome mountains, went camping in Wyoming. Um, I don't know what else we did, but almost hung out with a pontoon boat. Almost died on a pontoon boat. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You oh, know who God. you are. You know whose fault that is. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, almost died on a pontoon boat. Uh, what else? All that kind of hung out with a lot of great people. It was a lot of fun. So the the focus was still able to run the program, run the program at almost full capacity. So they're about the, the group total was we we're just probably under 100 kind of students, missionaries, us, chaplains, um, other leadership staff. So it's great to be out in the mountains. And then following that, the Timistic Institute hosted their leadership conference and then one of their intellectual retreats in Estes Park. So Father Gregory was you were in I was in Estes for like a month and then Father Gregory, what, like five weeks plus ish. Yeah. Um, so pretty awesome. Yeah. It was a long time to be in the mountains, but nice to be out of the city. Um, a bear almost killed some, not, that's not true. A bear almost got into Father Gregory's cabin. He wasn't there when that happened, but, Mm -mm. uh, although I was, the bear was mistaken for me. Right. Yeah. So Father Ephraim, another friar who works, Father Ephraim Reese works for the Timistic Institute and he was, it was pretty late after an event wrapping up for the evening. And he thought that Father Gregory was coming back from dropping students off. Uh, But it turns out that the noise at the screen door, it was just the screen door that was closed, not the normal door, just the screen door uh, was a black bear, not Father Gregory trying to get on our porch, trying to get into the, into the house. Um, So he survived. We all survived. Black bears are often mistaken for me. For obvious reasons. Um, but speaking of uh, Tomisic Institute Student Leadership Conference and Intellectual Retreat, something cool that's going to happen this upcoming semester is a co-sponsored intellectual retreat. So Tomisic Institute and the province of St. Joseph, um, spearheaded in large part by Father Jacob Bertrand, we're going to have a retreat here at the House of Studies with accommodations at Washington Retreat Center just around the corner. And that'll correspond with the All Saints Vigil. So you can check out tomisicinstitute.org slash events. And scroll through to find that and uh, that's open to students and young adults uh the cost of the retreat is zero dollars um made in three easy payments of zero dollars each uh you got to cover your travel so if you just apply there for that retreat you are most welcome and uh we'll look forward to seeing you there okay now for this episode he says after you know like eight minutes of chatter gosh forgive me um we're talking about remote learning remote work remote life So for the past five months, it needs no real introduction. A lot of things which were formerly in person have now been made remote or now been made virtual. And I think a lot of us just kind of, uh, after getting over the initial shock of, you know, the second week of March, we've settled into a little bit of a rhythm. But now I think many of us are asking questions about, you know, what about this is good? What about this is bad? What about this is just bizarre? So maybe we can use that threefold division as a way to sort out some of our thoughts as to... um, yeah, how these uh, new arrangements in this long liturgical season of COVID tide have uh, had a significant impact on our lives and our human culture. So let's just start with the good. I can just say that uh, some people have said that they appreciate the opportunity 
to be with their families more. So maybe, um, I don't know, Father Joseph Anthony, maybe drawing from some of your experience with parishioners there at St. Thomas Aquinas, um, you know, your own family, the people whom you've chatted with, what are, what are some good things that a lot of people have found to be the case with, uh, with these new arrangements? I, I, there's a lot of, um, like you said, families that have been able to sit down and have dinner together on a regular and consistent basis um, because restaurants have closed down or things like that. And talking to some of the families here, they've said like, yeah, we actually, we're going out on hikes like every Friday together. And instead of this kind of hustle and bustle running uh from this practice for this child to another child's practice and all these different events kind of stacked on top of each other and the kind of hectic chaos that that has been and become such a regular expectation in their life, they're able to kind of say like, well, no, what do we want to do together as a family and take that opportunity. So you see a lot of families that are kind of rediscovering uh, what uh, a different mode of living a family life is, is like sitting down, having meals together, um, sharing in just small joys of life, going out in the backyard with a sprinkler and, you know, those kind of like simple joys or, you know, the regularity of going out for the hike. So I think that you're right. There's a lot of, um, there's an increase of just kind of that family dynamic to focus on that because, um, there wouldn't have been that focus unless somebody's hands would have been pushed to do it. And I think that's that's a huge benefit right now. I also think that like the opportunity to reset your priorities. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people say like, yeah, it's given me time to think more. It's given me time to pray more. It's given me that opportunity to reevaluate and kind of re um, recalculate my priorities again. What did I lose track of? Not intentionally, like, you know, not nobody meant to uh, prioritize work over family or whatever it may be, but it's giving you that opportunity to kind of recalibrate one's uh, life and oneself again. And it's it's been beneficial in a lot of ways. Father Jacob Bertrand, what do you say? I was, you know, thinking about, because I'm not in a parish, I work with like, as a vocation director, I work not with family ways at all with like young men who you know are at college or these sorts of things so I, I really don't have that sort of reality but something that I do I spend time on a bit of time on social media either advertising our own stuff or checking up on the guys that are that are interested in the order making sure that everything's kosher there but I do spend a good amount of time on social media and it's been interesting to see um, just friends and other people that you know are sort of connected the pictures that people are posting of what of what people are doing um, in many ways the many ways that Father Joseph Anthony just described but the way in which people are trying to kind of reconnect or connect particularly with family or those close friends that they're able to and um, I guess it, it, on the one on the one hand, the um, the sort of uh, self isolating and all that sort of stuff has created um, has forced relationships into a weird place uh, with like a lot of Zoom meetings and that sort of stuff. But those with whom we're close, we're also we're living particularly close with where we've been forced or people have been forced with or forced to spend more time with too. And either I think you know, you come to the very quick realization that when you're kind of trapped in a house with somebody, either you're going to kill them or you're going to find ways not to kill them. And the ways that people are kind of finding ways not to kill them are, I think, have been kind of nice to watch and kind of exciting to see or, you know, just the simple ways that families have been able to reconnect or friends have been able to reconnect that's not sort of inundated by, I don't know, technology all the time or these sorts of things because those just aren't open. So like getting out for hikes, going out like now that's nicer, going out to the beach, 
I don't know, I guess you could do that in some places, but like that sort of stuff that it's just spending time with each other rather than using um, weird things to kind of socialize and communicate and that kind of thing. There's, there's an importance to something that you mentioned there that relationships are intentional. And that's something that a lot of our college students kind of came to realize as the spring semester um, went virtual and, and all that is like those kind of accidental or incidental relationships that, are so commonplace because you just run into somebody in the dining hall or you know you're going to see somebody at class every day and that's where you connect and things like that. You enjoy that relationship. You enjoy that friendship, but it has a specific place. And this kind of uh, forcing everybody into a quarantine or to remote enabled them to be very intentional with those relationships. And I can say even as a chaplain, like working with my students, you know, running through, you know, uh, five, 10 students every day, texting them like, Hey, how are you doing? And, and checking in on them. It, you're used to just seeing them kind of crossing paths at, at the end of mass or whatever it may be, but like to take that next step in intentionality to say, no, like you're important. And this relationship, this friendship is important as well. So I want to, uh, add that kind of intentionality the majority of of our communication now has um been very very intentional communication uh there's no longer that kind of incidental or accidental uh communication or even surface level so when you do reach out to somebody you're gonna talk and you're probably going to talk about big things and nothing just um surface level and that's been i think very helpful and a lot of people who have hungered for that um are starting to live in that way now yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, um, I guess, uh, something that I've noticed just kind of in general is that, uh, as, as many people have to engage with virtual media, there's a greater desire for the real thing as it were. Uh, and we'll, you know, we'll get kind of into the, the downsides of the virtual medium as we progress in the show. But, um, you know, when, when people get off their eighth zoom call of the day, they're just fatigued and their eyes are kind of spaced and they feel, like they were looking at a highway for the past however many hours. And so there's, yeah, there's a real desire to be together, to be with, to be intentional about those types of things. And it's, it's funny too, like you, you don't think about these things until such time as they're foisted upon you, but um, <clears throat> it's made it so that uh, it's, it's made a lot of social interaction better than we may have originally envisioned. It's kind of like an no oh, happy fault type thing. Like I know just, you know, back in my parents' parish, I know this uh, one person who, uh, the wife is, you know, sick and she needs kind of 24 hour supervision. And then the husband has gone virtual, you know, with his work. And so he's basically able to be there all the time. Whereas formerly it was like trying to find caretakers and around the clock. And he kind of felt, you know, uh, do I ask this person? Have I overtaxed them? Whatever. You know, now it's just, it's the kind of thing where he's working, but he's also able to be there with. Um, and also I, th I think a lot of people have observed or a lot of companies have observed that, um, uh, you know, when people aren't spending a lot of time in the car, getting frustrated on the way to work and vying with traffic, that um, they, they tend to be more given to their work. And now, mind you, you know, there are things about the home environment, which can be a little bit distracting. But uh, it's, I think a lot of people would have guessed at the outset that working from home would lead to a decrease in productivity or efficiency. But that hasn't necessarily been the case. I think a lot of people have appreciated the opportunity to you know, not deal with commuting, not deal with traffic, not deal with like a lot of the meetings or just kind of like personnel overhead that would ordinarily be just baked into your experience of, of working in the office, you know, like 
silly meetings for, I don't know, the purpose of solidarity, which can be easily dispensed with now because there's no real way to do them. You know, a lot of these things have just kind of streamlined the work experience. And um, yeah, people are able to kind of experience their home life in a way that's a little more organic, a little more straightforward rather than kind of coming back to their home and then collapsing on the couch and then just binge watching a bunch of Netflix. It's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to watch Netflix. I've, I've just done, you know, Netflix with other people for the last eight hours. <laughs> um yeah. so yeah no there are things about it that are good things about it that father jake will bertrand will add to mm. um yeah one of the things that uh that i've sort of noticed over the past couple of months but particularly being away around other people in colorado as i've already talked about was is that the the way in which we've sort of been relegated to living and to working and to socializing has um you often in conversations the thing that comes up is is sort of what unique or what kind of creative things are being done so as to to still live well and work well. Um, and for us, in, in the circles that, you know, we run in also how to evangelize well, how how are we still, um, yeah, spreading the gospel? How are we still working in that way? And, and whatever kind of um, setting or whatever kind of venue uh, people find themselves or are working in, it's, it's, pose sort of like a creative challenge. Um, and I think that's a good thing because I think we can become very, and very complacent in how we think we're being effective, whether that's in our relationships with our friends, you know, like those, um, those friendships that we kind of are kind of superficial, we kind of take for granted, but you know, you realize that, oh, I don't see you every day or every week. And I haven't talked to you in three months, you know, that there, there has to be some sort of intentionality. And I think that's good for human relationships. One of the things that sort of sparked this idea is and when we were at um, in Colorado for the leadership, the Thomistic Institute's leadership conference, perhaps Father Gregory wasn't so surprised by this because he works with the, the student leaders a lot. I don't. I was just there to help with the conference, but was hearing the different ways that um, students on campus were trying to figure out how to keep the TI running, how to keep the intellectual life and the faith engaged on campus. Some weren't going to be on campus at all. Some were going to have this sort of um, mitigated kind of reality on campus. Some were going to be back. But just hearing the ways that people are still able to, um, yeah, spread the gospel, but also still keep friendships and contacts and relationships alive. I think, I think we can say that's a, that's a good thing to kind of have to reevaluate the way in which we engage with the different worlds in which we live, um, so as to make them more fruitful, more authentic, but also more life giving. Um, yeah, because the complacency can can kind of just be zapping. It's just when you hit the routine every day without waking up at all. It's just kind of soul sucking, really, not really life giving. Boom. On that soul sucking note, we're going to take a quick break. We're about halfway through, so stick with us. We'll be right back on Godsplaining. This is Godsplaining. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. And we're back. Here we are on Godsplaining. We're talking about remote learning, remote work, remote life, just trying to uh, think somewhat, I don't know, more intentionally or deliberately about our experience of the past five months and kind of maybe maybe the toll that it's taken, but also the salutary changes that have been introduced into our lives by, uh, by the coronavirus pandemic and the way in which everything has had to have gone virtual or has gone virtual, I suppose. 
So, so far we've talked about some of the good things, but you know, when describing the good things, you talk about an admixture of bad here, we're going to talk more deliberately about the bad and the bizarre. And you're like, wow, you're just going to end it on a terrible and sad note. It's like, you better believe we are. No, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to, we're going to propose some, some positive things at the end as a way by which not merely to cope or get by or like, you know, kind of sneak through life on subsistence rations, but really to make the best of what is indeed, in fact, in truth, a terrible situation. Um, so Father Joseph Anthony, why don't you kick us off with some of the things that you observed, which have been especially taxing, you know, for your students, for your parishioners, things that you've observed as, as especially rough and bad. Um, we weren't made for this. <laughs> like none of us want this. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest challenge right now is, yeah, we, we can move everything, quote unquote, virtual. You can move everything online. And um, that's, that's fine. These are tools to help things. But like, this is not our heart's desire for normalcy. This isn't our ritual. He became incarnate and he took flesh. And there's, there's a really, a, a huge importance to that. And speaking to our students, like when we were all going through that period where there were no public masses and they're like, yeah, I can watch, I can live stream mass. Am I a bad person for wanting more than just a live stream mass? Like, am I, am I a bad person for realizing like, this is okay, this is good, but this isn't the best. This isn't what... I desire, uh, I want more and I want to be in that kind of real physical contact with our God and not just like a, a virtual, uh, TV screen. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing that is, is kind of harmful is that these things we have to understand the virtual media that we have and have at our disposal, they're tools but they are not the solution. The solution is always this like real human contact um, that I think our hearts are beginning to long for and appreciate that we may have taken for granted, you know, that even the sacramental contact that we have with our God, I think a lot of people just took it for granted that it would always be accessible. Uh, and then it kind of got taken away for a temporary period and realized how much you did depend on that uh, without even realizing the, the beauty of just walking into a chapel and being able to sit in the physical presence uh, of the Eucharist is, is life-changing. And when you don't have access to that, you, you feel it. So um, I think, you know, one of the greatest harmful things is when we try to talk about this as a new normal, like this is not normal, this is temporary, this is extraordinary, and we kind of make the best out of it, but I don't think any of us really want this to be normalized in a real sense. Yeah, I think I, I like that last, well, I like the points that you made, Joe. That Thank wasn't you. an exclusion of the other points, but that last point of the new normal, I know sometimes we are very quick to get jargony and like as in our culture, like phrases catch on. And I, but that's, that's one that I don't like at all uh, for the reason that you just enumerated that this isn't normal and we shouldn't pretend it's normal. Like a pandemic is not a normal thing. Um, and life may be altered and there might be things changed by it, but it's not normal because it's unnormal, unnormal in so many ways. Um, one of the things that uh, in, in conversations with, with family, with friends, with, with other people that I talk to, one of the things that often comes up is how, even though people are trying to connect, um, people are trying to stay in touch, people are you know, have their face in front of a computer trying to talk to friends or whatever. Um, it has been an extremely isolating time. And even as we kind of get used to it or more, yeah, adjusted to kind of 
the this this current state of affairs it doesn't mean that the effects are less real that that like isolation kind of wears on you that you're alone or that work is altered or that you know you're not with your friends or you're not on campus like there a number of universities have um, you know, I think they're trying their best and they've they've done different things in different places to accommodate students. And um, but some of them have sort of kept some classes of people off. So, you know, juniors and or sophomores and juniors aren't on campus, but freshmen are. I'm just trying to imagine a college like going to college as a freshman just with like one class on campus. I mean, even that, even though you're on campus, it just seems such like a weird existence. And I think we have to recognize that as human beings, we're not made to uh, sort of sit in front of a screen or be alone or be like quarantined or any of these things. Like sometimes we have to do that, but that doesn't, it, we shouldn't pretend that that's a good thing or a normal thing. I mean, it's good because it protects health, but it's not good as like normal human living. Um, and I think we, to say that that's normal, to say that that's, you know, just fine. Um, I think it, it kind of relegates people suffering through the pandemic to something that's, um, like a weakness because I can't handle it, which isn't true. It's just not the case. These are, these are pretty, there are some pretty terrible things about what's happened in the last six months or whatever. I think the, also that kind of like trying to normalize it also uh, cheapens it. Like mm. it's, it's an extraordinary time and it's going to take heroic activity um, and, and, and really a virtue uh, to kind of survive this. But that you know struggle with isolation right now i mean we're seeing mental health issues just absolutely skyrocket right now and that's one of the things that i'm preparing for as a chaplain you know dealing with uh, students coming back is like there's going to be a lot of mental health issues um we we already were working uh with a lot of those mental health issues but there's going to be a lot more of that right now and the the struggles with things or, or phrases such as like social distancing um, I, I kind of wince at every time I hear that because I, you know, one of our friars here, uh, Father David Mott is like really big on this. He's like, no, we don't need, like, we still need social life. We still need to interact. We still need to communicate and foster friendships. We need a certain physical distance, right? Like we need to keep six feet from each other for health and, and safety reasons, but that doesn't mean we cut ourselves off socially. Like there's, there's a part of humanity that if we cut out and we distance ourselves socially, um, that it, we're cutting, cutting off part of our humanity. And, and that's, a, that's problematic in that sense too. So we're in an extraordinary time where, you know, we do have to keep a certain, certain level of physical distance, but to not just uh, cut ourselves off in social ways because that, that chips away at our humanity and it's, it's not a good place to be. Yeah, when you uh, describe that, it makes me think of how <clears throat> St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the natural law as being um, a kind of organic growing, well, Speak clearly, Father Gregory. It's nigh unto impossible for me, but I'm going to give it a go. <clears throat> so there are things that we are inclined to by virtue of the fact that we are what we are. So by virtue of the fact that we're substances, we want to keep being substances. By virtue of the fact that we're animals, we want to procreate and educate children. But he says, by virtue of the fact that we're human beings, we want to know the truth about God and we want to live in society. It's, you know, like social life is a good towards which we're inclined. And this reminds me also of like, I think a, a kind of general misperception when it comes to human inclination and human desire, because oftentimes, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, and you've seen it all the way through, people will talk about how, you know, your, your grandparents, you know, were asked to fight world wars. All you're asked to do is sit on your couch. Well, you know, it's, people say that as a way by which to kind of um, 
uh, I guess, situate our present experience and describe it as something not as onerous as what others before us have had to bear. But the thing is, like, we're made for the defending of our homeland, you know, like we're made for battle. And um, courage, uh, which is something to which we are called as mature, like effectively formed human beings, is something that represents a perfection for the human person. And, and courage is just a lot more straightforward on the battlefield or, you know, at the stake for the martyr or dot, 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 fill in the blank. But when we're being asked to stay home, right, to not attack, but merely to endure, it, it's very uh, psychologically... Um, trying, I suppose, and even disorienting, kind of destabilizing, because we're made, we're made for assault, you know, like, and that's not just like a kind of bravado breast beating thing. Like I watched Band of Brothers yesterday. So like, let's go attack stuff. No, it's just like, we are made for endeavoring arduous goods and, and our lives become infinitely richer in so doing. So like, it is actually significant that you're being asked to stay home as it were, but like, we should still be encouraged to endeavor great and, uh, and difficult things. I'm looking at the time. We're winding down here in this uh, episode. So we want to get to our third and final point, which is the bizarre. And I thought here we could just talk about like one, just kind of like strange or unnerving quarantine experience or COVID experience. And I'll start off just to give a sense of the thing. I'll try to be brief, which I've never done in my life, but maybe today will be the first time. Um, I find it very weird in the virtual medium that eye contact is so strange to establish because you have a choice as to whether or not you look at your camera right? And not look at the faces of other people on the display, or you look at them on the display, and then you look like you're looking off into space or checking your email or otherwise unengaged. So it's like something which is so straightforward and connatural. I mean, I suppose if you're really close to somebody, sometimes you have to choose which, which eye you look into, which can be weird. You're like, do I look at their nose? Do I look at their left eye? Father Jacob Burchin shows me his disapproval in his face. I'm looking at your left eye, by the way. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, but, but like- true, because I'm checking my email, so I'm not looking at you at all. <laughs> Sucker. Um, (laughs) But like something as simple and human as eye contact becomes problematic in a virtual medium and you feel constantly drawn to your own face, you know, confessions of a narcissist. It's like, how is this happening? You're like, why, why, why am I this way? You know, so it just becomes uh, very easy to overthink even the simplest of human exchanges. So that's my, that's my contribution to the bizarre. Um, for for me, the bizarre is is similar, but it's uh, having to greet people every day at mass and and that when everybody's wearing a mask, and I realize that I'm very facially expressive, and that is like covered up totally with a mask. So what I found, and and most most of my college students know this, um, I get very kind of uh, giggly at mass. Uh, often that like there's always something that that uh, I find hilarious and then and I like keep a, a poker face down but then I'll just bust out laughing and just like smiling uh, during the Gloria for some reason and it, it's fine whatever but I realize that like because I'm wearing a mask now at mass all the time I, I don't even try to hold that in like I don't know I'm just smiling I'm getting this like really bad habit of just like always smiling and laughing and, and, and kind of like not so opportune moments. And it's, it's hard to kind of greet your parishioners and even recognize parishioners. I had a few students come back uh, to mass and I hadn't seen them all summer and I'm checking people. I'm like, what's your name? And they're like, father. I was like, yeah, your name, please. And they were like, Oh, they said their name. I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't recognize you at all. It's so like, it's hard to actually recognize the other person. It's hard to express yourself. It's hard to connect when all you see are like eyebrows. 
like eyebrow movement is the only way to like have nonverbal communication is just your eyebrow movement, which some people have expressive eyebrows. I, I don't. Uh, so it, that, that's awkward at times and weird and bizarre. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I could. Mm. There's so many things that I find bizarre about the current situation. <laughs> you should find We're talking about COVID think. only bizarre things, not just normal life bizarre things and that you find bizarre. Yeah, that would be almost everything. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think for like the sake of time and charity and all of this and avoiding every rabbit hole that it's just not worth getting into my list of complaints. But one thing that I do find terribly annoying, two things. This is supposed to be bizarre. I'm going to go annoying um, because everything annoys me so it's easier for me to talk about this one is wearing glasses and a mask can it's 2020 can someone invent a mask that doesn't fog up my face every time i exhale that would be great that's number one eye contact i can't even see out of my own glasses never mind make i decide what eye i want to look at it's the worst (laughs) thing ever second thing is when um people uh like when you're when you're at a place i guess i've noticed this like hiking both here on the east coast and out west it's like when you hike and somebody comes up to you and you're like in the wide open expanse of like nature and there's nothing around and you're not that close and they like turn their back on you and it's like refusing to acknowledge your existence like put their mask up and turn around won't look at you so it's not like because you know i walk around constantly spitting in people's faces so i would understand why people would want to do that I find that to be really bizarre. I don't have a problem with keeping distance or like wearing a mask, but just the sort of like that kind of thing, like turning your back on a person as they come up to you, it's just very dehumanizing. Um, and and it, I think it is kind of just strange. So I find that to be bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. That might just be me being hypercritical of people. So bless your hearts, but it's still bizarre if you do it. So I'm not changing my mind. Bingo. I love it. All right. I think uh, uh, a a fitting way by which to wrap up would be just like a, a kind of small word of encouragement or maybe to offer a final perspective. Um, so maybe we'll just, I, I want to see the floor to you, Father Jacob Bertrand. I feel like I've talked a lot. Father Joseph Anthony has also, he talked a lot too. So, so we want to give you the opportunity. It's like a final... my, let me bring up my charm for the end. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guys. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I, encouraging word. This is supposed to be encouraging and helpful. Okay. Just remember <laughs> always, that. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there is, there's something about situations that are out of our control that demand, um, that demand a reaction from, in, from us as individuals. And we're often um, presented with the option of sort of failing or, or not failing. And I think when we think about um, our lives, what constitutes failure and success ought not to be measured in like our ability to turn our back on people on trails or that sort of thing, or like our glasses not fogging up, but on the ability to rise to, to the occasion that's before us. Um, the, we would be naive that's not the right word. We would be stupid. I can't think of a better word to say that, to pretend that like these past six months and the months coming ahead have been easy and will be easy or haven't been taxing and won't be taxing. They have been, they've all, they've been all of those things and more. Um, the reality is though, is that our Lord offers us his grace and his mercy to be conformed to him despite um, but also through the situations in which we find ourselves. So though these times may present opportunities for us to grow closer to family and friends who are close to us, though they may be isolating and kind of strange finding how to like look at people through a camera or on the screen in those, in that less the like mundane and routine and strange and bizarre become trivial. 
um, our Lord's working through that to make to make us saints, to let us to give us the opportunity to grow in virtue. And I think time and again, if we look at if we look at the world around us, we can see people taking advantage of that. Of course, our Lord, our, the, our relationship with Christ is not a transactional one to be taken advantage of in that sense, but it is certainly in the sense to cooperate with the grace. So I think the bottom line in all of this is that our focus ought not be so much on like how many months we've been trapped or how many months we've been away from friends or how many hours we've spent on Zoom, but what are the ways in which the Lord is, is tapping in? Because he is, and he's, he's constantly um, asking and giving the opportunity to grow in virtue, to, to, be, to be holy, to be a saint, to be conformed to him. Um, that ought to be the focus. Um, everything else falls in line. Everything else becomes um, manageable with him and through him. Words of encouragement. I am encouraged. Thank you. All right. With that, we're going to uh, wrap things up. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Please share it uh, and like it and, uh, uh, you know, kind of tell your friends about the, the opportunity they have to enrich their virtual life with more content. We hope good content, but if it's not good content, then don't listen to it because it's better that you spend time with your family. Uh, but if it is good content, you should listen to it. So cheers. What you are. Okay, never mind. Okay, so that's bizarre. Uh, but thanks so much for tuning in and we look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planning. Bye. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.